1: crown jewel laundry wars 2018 and we are as usual nikki cross central this week join us on our patreon patreon.com slash shake them ropes chris we have one one patron so far and if if and i've decided if we get no more patrons uh if we don't get enough uh god's gonna call me to heaven
0: Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> I'm pulling a
1: swagger. No, I'm not. Wow. Uh, this gets uh, so <laughs> dark. I was just
0: talking about maybe doing like a boring wrestling show, like we could go back to doing Lucha the Hidden Temple or something.
1: I was going to go and, and do the whole, uh, if you don't give us money, this dog will be, you know, that that gun to the head of the dog. If you don't watch, we'll kill this puppy or something like that. But uh this I, let, show let, is let not nearly adorable
0: enough to this, threaten with violence. This,
1: yeah. Exactly. This this is this is for uh is it casual fans of casual analysis. That's what I called it once. Uh Chris, I have I, here's my hot take for uh for tonight. Uh we're doing this on election night in uh in the United States. I am done with selfies with voting stickers. I think it's garbage. I think it's virtue signaling. I think, I think it's the old Chris Rock um, trying to take credit for shit you're supposed to do. <laughs> I, I, just, I hate it. I think it should be treated with more reverence. What do you think?
0: I like people being excited about voting, so I think that's good, okay. but I'm with you and I see what you're saying when people take pictures of their sticker and put it online. You're trying to signal to everyone else. But when I get that sticker at the voting booth, it always goes someplace deliberative. Like mine this year actually went on my door just because I do like seeing that I voted sing over my doorknob because I think voting's really important. So, yes. I mean, there's a point to it, but... When you're taking pictures and posting anything on Twitter or Facebook, you're not doing it for your, you're doing it for everyone else and to send a message to them.
1: I accidentally dropped an S-bomb dollar in the swear jar for me. I don't like swearing on the air, but so I apologize. This is a new new rule that Hawkins
0: has come up for. Just so he can be a school no, this he can is, be a scold on me. He can ruin my life.
1: This has always been no when when Rob was on here I did the same thing. I was like, Don't swear on the air. I try to make this show family friendly, all these other things. You know, because some guy wrote and goes, Hey, I got my kids in the car when I would listen to this, I go, Oh, sorry for the F bomb drop Oh no, it's fine. I'm just okay. Maybe we're raising tougher kids than I thought. Chris, you get to take a victory lap this yeah. week. Yeah. Uh Last week, I questioned this whole Nia Jax thing, and I could not. E- I thought she was still a babyface, and you said, nope, she and Tamina are going to be a team. Sure enough, this week, Nia and Tamina are a team. Take your lap, sir.
0: I mean, what do you want me to say, Hawkins? She was being heelish <laughs> towards Ember Moon. The Ember Moon and Nia Jax alliance seemed tenuous. I thought her interaction with Rhonda was really weird and kind of out of order from the Tamina heel turn. But it is what it is. I'm not excited about it. I just saw it coming.
1: Well, congratulations nonetheless. It was something that I just kind of went... Well, I I thought she was turning heel, but I thought it would be one of those heel-heel type things. But uh, maybe it's because they're going to actually get these tag team titles in the women's division and they needed a monster team in there. Um, (sighs) Crown Jewel happened. Crown Jewel was everything we thought it would be, and worse. It it was a mediocre show. I am absolutely amazed they carnied Saudi Arabia. I just think, and I think this goes even into the Manchester stuff, I think they take these foreign audiences for granted. They just think they like a basic WWE product with nothing to it. Oh, they're just happy to see us, so they'll always love us. I'm... I should have seen it coming that they were going to let Shane win a tournament he didn't enter because they think Shane's a star. But it just amazed me with so much money that Saudi Arabia is giving them. Part of it, to me, makes me think it makes sense because of the greatest Royal Rumble and how kind of, for lack of a better term, half-assed it was in terms of the thought put into it. It was big and empty. But well, this one makes me, makes me even think like, oh, we can't put on a great show here because of all the political turmoil. So we'll just give them an angle and they'll be happy with it. But they're not that clever either. I just think this is how they are with foreign audiences. Because you can see you know, how the years have gone on, how many bad TV tapings like the UK has gotten. And, and that you know, is starting being- to really
0: punish the UK audience and punish WWE. Because you used to be able to go to the UK in 2013 and 2014 and have really hot audiences. These people liked their WWE and they really sank their teeth into all of the characters and they were totally behind them. And these shows, if I wasn't reminded that they were in England by commentary, I would have forgotten about it in a way that never was true in years past.
1: That's not to say everything was bad on these two shows. It, it, it's just it's not that,
0: those... but the audience is disengaging. And
1: they tend to get these shows that are builds to bigger pay-per-views, although it, it, it kills me because this is a transition show and the go-home show for Survivor Series is next week. So they've literally done no build for this to, to then make up for it with the build to both Evolution and Crown Jewel, which, you know, for a top for th- I mean, this used to be one of the big four pay-per-views. This used to be a big deal this Survivor Series and, and trust me those listeners of Shake Them Ropes I went back and listened to each of my commentaries going into the Survivor Series since I've been on my talking points remain the same on this and I will get to that in a bit but I, I want to finish up with a little bit more crown jewel talk uh, the Triple H versus Shawn Michaels versus or the Triple H and Shawn Michaels versus uh, the Brothers of Destruction match um, I love seemed- the
0: swerve father time won.
1: It, it, it seems clear to me Shawn michaels may not ever wrestle again after not getting caught on that moonsault that thing was brutal landing on his face uh i i compare it to watching uh, you're an nba fan i used to be an nba fan my favorite player was tom chambers 1988 all-star mvp as a few very good years in in uh, seattle goes to the phoenix as the first unrestricted free agent knocks him dead for a while and then 92 93 kind of fa- starts to fall off a cliff goes to utah and then like his last year he tries to come back with phoenix he gets traded to charlotte gets cut rather uh rather uh under under the radar and then signs a 10-day contract with the philadelphia 76ers And that's how he goes out. No fanfare, not an all-time legend, just a very good player. But still, sad watching those last gasps of greatness. And that's how I felt watching this. Was you're watching guys way past their prime, trying to do what they did in their prime, and it just it was such it was a match in slow motion. That's what we thought it would be.
0: Yeah, at least uh, to stick with the NBA references. Vince Carter, once he realized he could no longer be Vince Sanity, he aged into a very mature and within-himself player in his mid-30s and was still really productive. And that is not what happens with some of these aging 90s wrestlers. They only know how to work one style, and they can't do a lot of the same things that they used to be able to do, and they keep trying to do them. And with The Undertaker, it, it, it's... Yeah, it's just kind of sad because there was a moment for great fanfare and an exit fitting of The Undertaker, and now Mark Calloway won't have that because for some segment of the audience, he's overstayed his welcome.
1: Well, I mean, to that point, too, it's not just that the wrestlers can't do that style anymore. It's that the company encourages you to be the person that people remember that's that's because when they signed the hardy's you'll notice they didn't bring them back as woke matt and you know and and jeff they resisted that you're the hardy boys yeah Yeah, no you're brought and when the dudley's came back they weren't the older mature it wasn't the bully ray character the more mature dudley's that you saw in like a tna or something to that effect it was no we want to see the was up spot we want to see devon get the tables we, so, the, so the company encourages that, too, in, in their defense. Now, for, I mean, for what it was, it was good, but at the same time, you can't temper it like that when this entire roster that came in here, I think the average age was—I mean, there wasn't anybody under 35 on it, if, if I read that statistic. And you can't
0: say for what it was, it was good when you're talking about something that was really the centerpiece of this event, this entire event, in terms of the booking, if you go back and look at Raw and all that, it was all about Triple H, Degeneration X versus the Brothers of Destruction. So you have to grade this show based on that match. And it was good for what it was is not yeah. good enough.
1: And and for a company that's so focused on youth and being, I mean, in, in every job application for like a writer that you read, it's like, must know pop culture, must be up on current events. It's like, why? The, 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 I mean, it, you, you waste a lot of years of young talent's life down in developmental looking for a hard camera as opposed to, you know, really pushing them to the moon once once you know that they're talented. So it's it's weird. And they kind of redid that, too, with Kurt Angle and Drew McIntyre as the main event of Raw. It's like you're bringing back this guy that everybody has goodwill for to to wrestle... A style a little bit slower than we're used to, and to have him lose—it's it, just—it's it, so weird how they treat—they—they—they uh, they, they don't have legends. You have people who are past their prime, and people who are just older in the same gimmick. It's very odd. Yeah, this raw is just. <laughs> you know, it it was just all about heat-seeking for some reason. And, And within the context of Survivor Series, again, my major complaint about Survivor Series is they never really give brand loyalty throughout the year until it's time for Survivor Series. And then they never really give incentives for these teams to fight for said brands like if you came in and said No, you
0: know what's really weird is the framing of this is the one time of the year where people from the red brand face people from the blue brand and that's not true and I actually felt Michael Cole catch himself at one point on commentary when he was hitting that beat like he realized wait, that's not true anymore oh, I still have to go with this prepared WWE line. But now that red and blue touch all the time, it really has no stakes to Survivor Series. This feels like a total throwaway, and it's a real shame.
1: Well, it's odd because in canon, this is supposed to be that. But in reality, when they did the Superstar Shakeup, they already had plans for the... I think it was a ba- Battleground pay-per-view that they did, or was it uh, no, or no Mercy? Or I forget the pay-per-view they did. But they accidentally had, you know, the cross-branded matches on there, and they, they kind of made up for it by saying, well, if they win the title, they'll take it with them over to that show over there. And then you also have the Mixed Match Challenge, which also ends up, you know, being, being a mixture. So, yeah, exactly. It, it's not the one time of year, even though every time now they say Survivor Series, they now have to use that as a slogan, and it's a little ridiculous. I, uh... <laughs> I was amazed at this and it seems it's a simple angle, but just to tell you how much product they have to produce and how much little planning and foresight they do. The whole emotional resonance over the natty sunglasses angle was exactly 30 seconds before it was put into a match. And then by the end of the match, it was done with that. That amazes me because that is something you know what. As hokey a story as that is, if you really wanted to build it up with some kind of some kind of emotion, here, here's here's how I hypothetically might might do something like that. You introduce, hey, I'm wearing my dad's sunglasses down to the ring this week. Okay, that's week one. Week two. She gets a message or something from, from a parent or something that goes, "Hey, you know what? Those not, aren't only your dad's sunglasses. Those are your dad's sunglasses that he wore at WrestleMania, or something like that. You continue to build these, these sunglasses, which probably aren't really gym sunglasses. They're just a pair of like gas station knockoffs or what have you." And the third week, you know, she, uh, someone says something to the fact that you know some legend or something comes by and goes, "You know what? Your dad would have been so proud of you right now." And then you break them that week. Then you can then you can do that here. It's like yeah, I'm gonna go wear my son, dad's sunglasses. Introduce her. She, literally, she's walking to the the music's playing as she says that. She walks to the ring. End of the match. They break them, and and I'm supposed to really feel the same thing she's doing. You know, just cr- oh, they stop the match. They stop the match and make it a no contest because a pair of sunglasses got broke.
0: The audience didn't bite on it. Natty's acting during that segment was atrocious. Her fake crying was really, really bad. The reaction, like the scripted reactions of everyone made no sense. It didn't make sense to go to a no contest finish. And it was embarrassing when the crowd is counting the count out as Natty is standing there and blubbering like an (laughs) idiot.
1: Oh, that was, that was brutal. They're counting her out as she's supposedly having this great emotional moment. I could, I could see the. Per- I could see Gorilla seething, even though I couldn't see it. I could see them seething in the back going, what's this audience doing ruining this big moment? I, I what disrespect. Oh, God, that... Guys,
0: you just introduced <laughs> this MacGuffin, and no one bit that these are the only pair of Jim Neidhart sunglasses that are left on Earth, and Natty wore them down to the ring tonight. <laughs>
1: You know? Come on. If you want to be really... T- oh, these are my father's ashes I'm bringing down to the ring. And then you do the whole CM Punk thing. Why not bring the casket
0: down to the ring? If mean, Daddy wanted oh to be God. here ringside with me tonight. No, but I think it speaks to this more serious issue of WWE thinking these international fans, and really the fans more broadly, are much more dumb than they are there's no credit being given to this audience that you think that they'll go with you on this lazy of a writing expedition
1: yeah and and it's it's again it's the oh they're just happy to see us they'll cheer for anything and i don't think that's not true i don't think that's true and you know what it's going to be even more undercut the more that this nxt uk brand grows because people will i you know it's not the same audiences because you can. I, I'm wondering, because one of the things that will shock you is you go to an NXT show and you go to a main roster big event, one of the big three or four, depending on which, how you view the pay-per-views. The audiences are so night and day. Like, you don't understand, I think, how casual a WWE audience can be until you're in the audience with them. Like, WrestleMania in Dallas... It was, you know, i the the Dudleys were back, and one of the parents was like, "Oh, this is great because you know my kids can finally see them do their act." And the kids were just there to see the New Day do whatever. But it's like it's like everybody kind of got their thing at at the Royal Rumble last year. I'm sitting next to this mother of of two who's the most excited she is is to see Natty Neidhart. And I'm like, no one has ever been that excited to see Natty Neidhart in a match ever. And except for this woman right here. So you learn all these things by being within that audience. But I I am wondering if a UK-based product will at all dampen the enthusiasm of the usually rabid UK crowd.
0: Yeah, and I think you could see diminishing returns with that WWE UK brand if it doesn't start putting out better shows. Or conversely if they go we're not putting out good shows we're having issues we need to make this more like wwe us i think that's where they really get themselves into a downward spiral
1: um another poor choice in storytelling baby faces who are alphas don't have friends as seth rollins loses the wwe tag titles to the authors of pain
0: no no Um, no 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 they're not the authors of pain anymore jeff they are purely the aop now we're doing that oh. move. Okay. They're listed as <laughs> AOP, and are they? Spoke
1: I, I hadn't even noticed. Referenced
0: that. them over and over again as AOP.
1: Oh man, somebody must hate that authors. They're not. They don't look like writers to me. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I. Oh god, that is so like. Yes. To do that so
0: now too. it's just uh, a mishmash of random letters.
1: Okay. Well. Again, new, new WWE tag team champions, because nobody could come down and actually be Seth Rollins' partner. And the story that they tell is, oh, he, he fought valiantly. Whoa, 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 let's lost, back up here. Let's is... back up
0: here. What was the story he was trying to tell during the promo? Because right when Corbin interrupted him, it seemed like Rollins was about to forfeit the titles. That was the impression I was getting from that promo.
1: Go on, because I I was just thinking it was another, yeah, Dean's not here to help me tonight, so I guess I'm just going to have to... And I didn't win the World Cup. And as much
0: as I would like to defend (laughs) these two titles by myself, I don't want to do that. And there's something in that last sentence that made me think, oh, is he about to forfeit the titles? And then he gets interrupted by Corbin. But that was definitely the impression Rollins was at least giving me. So... Let me get to why I am out here, and that's this necklace thing I've got going on here. I want to talk about the Raw Tag Team Championships. Now, as much as I would love to, I've got to admit it's probably impossible for me to defend two titles at one time. Whoa, 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 whoa. And with whoa, that said. Se- so. It was weird when the AOP came down. However, you know, I've been predicting that the AOP were going to be the tag team champions because there's sort of no purpose for them on this roster but to be the tag team champions. And this is a way to get the belt on them.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's a way. It's not a strong way to get the belt on them.
0: I, I said a way.
1: Um, I, I also, you know what? I, I think Corbin had to, had to, I don't remember this, so maybe you can't because it all kind of is a blur to me. Did Corbin actually ever say that Seth had to do it on his own explicitly? Or was it just, it's a two-on-one match and no one can run down? Because I think you should get more heat on an authority figure. I feel like he um, did
0: explicitly say he had to do it on his own, but I don't quite recall.
1: Yeah, well, okay. So so we have that. Uh, I'm thinking... You know, I I don't know how much I want to go into Dolph and Elias. It was just, it seems like they're building the story again that Dolph is going to lose the matches for his team for some reason. I...
0: Yeah, there's I, that. I, I, I mean, my thought on the Elias angle is that we're already starting to see these struggles of a babyface Elias because it turns out... a heel out...
1: gimmick, yeah. He's a babyface with a heel gimmick. Well, and so... it
0: turns out that he's like a heel level of wrestler, which is to say he can't really wrestle that babyface style and doesn't do that kind of pacing well. And this match with Ziggler was kind of sloppy.
1: I want you to go first on this, the Ronda promo.
0: The Ronda promo. Boy, we went into a different emotional space with Ronda that got very angry, and I was expecting tonight on SmackDown to be getting a very different Becky Lynch, so the Ronda promo is particularly jarring in the face of the Becky Lynch promo because they are all in on trying to make her a heel they're they're going to keep trying it's probably never going to take but it's not going to stop them from trying
1: the first thing that stood out to me was it it felt like Heyman wrote this it felt like this was a paul Heyman written promo for ronda um i i think i i was listening to some of the commentary in terms of how she delivered and i i think i think they overpraised her a bit here i i still think the delivery is a little bit uh off, but I thought it was good overall. Um, I am with you. I've said this before. It's very. Rhonda has a bipolar gimmick. It's very weird because she comes out smiling and then all of a sudden, super frowny face Rhonda starts talking about Becky Lynch and you're just like, okay, that wasn't earned. <laughs> that was kind of out of nowhere where you see her, you know, eyes closed, big, cheesy, toothy grin and then. All right, mean face, and you're like, "Whoa, okay." Uh, I thought we were initially
0: like uh, laying the groundwork for maybe a fun double turn angle between Rhonda and Becky, which would freshen up Rhonda because the smiley. Hi, it's so nice to see all of you. It, the the weird bipolar I'm, character that she's doing right now, or not bipolar, but like two toned character that she is doing right now. Um, It does need to be resolved at some point, and especially in the wake of the Nia Jax thing now, it seems like we're no closer to that.
1: Well, this is a good good transition, because I I am no longer buying into double turns. I don't think they can do them. I don't think think they
0: want to do them, and I'm with you that they probably don't really know how. The last time they've done one successfully was, like, what, the Ziggler Del Rio turn?
1: Yeah, or you know what? I, I still think Austin Brett's the only successful one that they did, and I don't even, and I, I still don't buy the story that they planned on doing that all that much. I mean, they, they'll tell me that, but I think that may have just been a crowd deciding we want to cheer Austin type of thing. Um, but but it's interesting because we have these brand versus brand cards building up in terms of all the champions from one are gonna face the champions of the other. And who do you beat out of those? I mean, you're getting a rematch of Brock versus AJ, and I think I think you got to put AJ over this time, even though it would be bad for Brock. I just I just don't understand doing a rematch and and having AJ lose. I think twice this, to this is going
0: guy. to a no finish.
1: Well, see, I'm thinking it's the women's match that goes to no finish. You're gonna get a yeah. lot of those. You're gonna get you know. I I think Shinsuke is gonna end on a DQ after a nut shot. I think that's kind of. The play there, I, I you know it, it's it's the the whole reason for doing these is is then we get McMahon segments on brand superiority, which I think that's what they think the cure to live shows are is, is more McMahon's for some reason or or at least because because I I I hate I hate heel Shane McMahon, I do I don't want this. I don't want more heel authority figures on shows. I don't need bickering between him and Paige. I, I just I get that on every wrestling show.
0: All of these authority figures on both of these main product shows can all go away, and I wouldn't mind. I, that includes Paige. I, I don't think any of them are actually adding anything to this show at this point. Corbin, I think actively. William Regal's the only. Well, one. yeah, but that's again that's NXT. Um, Corbin on the main roster uh, as the raw GM has been just grading and not in a good heel heat sort of way, but in a, this is a very stale character and this is just a dude performing it.
1: And he's, and he's doing kind of community theater level acting in terms of it too. It's, it's really not, not good on his part, but I kind of got sidetracked there cause I wanted to go into, uh, Becky's response. I love Becky Lynch. I think she's great. I think she's doing a good job on this. My problem is, I <laughs> let, let me know if I'm off base here a little bit. I think Becky is, it, it's weird because she's kind of peacocking a bit and I, to the point where you know she's having fun peacocking, but at the same time it takes a little bit away from her saying, I'm going to break your arm it's like you can feel like she's having a blast doing this as opposed to wow i really would be frightened if i met becky lynch breaking my arm type of thing and i think and i think that's where we get the heel thing from too because it feels like bravado it feels like false bravado that she's in on. I think that's my problem, a little bit of a problem with it. I, I like it, but at the same time, I feel like she's almost... You, you could tell, like, when, when Nikki came down, she had kind of... A, she corpsed a little when, when Nikki... Because she was happy for Nikki making her debut, and we'll get into that in a moment. But it's 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 weird. There's a, there's a small disconnect there, and I'm trying to piece it together as to why... No, we've
0: changed the character, and, and I can break it down for you. Initially, Becky, when she was feuding with Charlotte... She was kind of aggressive, and it was all about being aggressive. It was about proving a point, and she was a woman on a mission to prove a very specific point that she was better than Charlotte. Now that she's champion, the strategy that the writing team is trying to use to get heel heat on her is having her engage in puffery. So there's the I'm the man thing, and there is that bravado thing that you're kind of teeing up on, too. And and debuting Nikki Cross, I think the hope here was, well, we'll have her go against someone who this Manchester crowd will be solidly behind, but I know what you're going to say about this match, so I'm just going to take it from you because you take so many lines from me on this show. Uh, It's a total waste of Nikki Cross's debut, to have her go up against Becky Lynch
1: you know what I had that line and as I'm watching the match I gave up on it because I go you know what I could do I could say the line about this but then I go well this is just what WWE does in debuts this is just what they do they 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 debut you and they beat you the first time you're out there. They did it with Charlotte. They did it with I mean, they do it on NXT and they do it on the main roster. So I I appreciate you getting ahead of it. I agree with the sentiment, but I just it was some weird resignation. But I liked the match. I thought it was great. Um also when did
0: I, I, Sandy come to Raw? I thought they were on SmackDown.
1: Uh, no, this was Smackdown.
0: Was it? Yeah it was SmackDown. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: there, there we last, go.
0: It's all blurry.
1: Last right. week I actually opined what happened to sanity, and now this week here they are and and it's it's weird because I remember on the at least on the Becky Rhonda feud. remember how we were hyped where, where Nick where uh, Rhonda had that line, um, I'll break arms if I have to when she was facing uh Nikki Bella, and then it's like, oh man, wouldn't it be great if Becky were over here breaking arms because she wants to? That's, right. the heel, that's the heel Becky. And she that's didn't even take it too here.
0: far on Nikki at the end of that match, too. This is sort of my problem. If you're going to go all in on Becky being a heel, start have her doing heel things. But it seems like they want to have it both ways with her. They want her to be a heel functionally, but they also kind of like the fact that the crowd's cheering her. They don't want to cool her off too much.
1: And th- and that's exactly the problem here, is 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 the way that they book her to do heal things is to try and get, you know, the 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 wrong kind of heat from the crowd, like taking the title and leaving. They're making her a coward. Which is not the way to go with that because because everybody's already ahead of the game because they're like, Oh, they're trying to cool her off for us, we're just gonna cheer her harder here, you know, that that kind of thing. So I, I think that doesn't work, but uh you know what? i h I, I'm I wanted Nikki to be debuted in a bigger spot, probably. I when I, I thought Sandy was gonna win the tag titles and I thought it was gonna be with Nikki's help. I'm kind of fine with this. I don't know if it's permanent or not because she's still kind of in a feud with uh Bianca Belair on the on the bottom roster and they kind of sometimes Keep people on NXT while having them on the main roster at the same time, if they don't really know have a story for them or something like that. But I thought yeah, how long match, was
0: it for Charlotte after she first debuted that first time? I mean, it could be uh, a minute. It
1: was, yeah, it was. A, it was a couple weeks because they debuted her against Natty, had her get beat in like a minute, and then she was still having like the Fatal Four Way, I think, and that where she lost to Sasha. And they were still kind of wrapping up all those storylines down there before doing the uh, the Divas Revolution or whatever they called it. Uh, give Divas a Chance type of thing where they brought up everybody in July. So, yeah, there, there was that. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I would have... You know what would have been inter- an interesting choice here? If if you're really trying to get the crowd behind Nikki Cross, because now I've dropped Nikki Bell in the situation I need to give the last name here. You say she did such a good job in this match. You put her on the SmackDown team. And they didn't do that because they wanted to get the, uh, Naomi Mandy Rose heat, which is, you know, it's their choice. And I, and I get that, but at the same time, you know, nice feather in the cap to a good debut for Nikki Cross is, Hey, we're putting you on the SmackDown team because we think you can go. I I don't know. Maybe that I, I would have probably done that.
0: Yeah, that would have been better. and, what's funny is you looked at the Mandy Rose thing as getting heat on Naomi. And I actually thought that that was more about breaking up Sonia and Mandy.
1: I was just under the assumption that they had done that in evolution during the uh, battle Royal. I thought they were already apart and that this was just the follow up to that. So I, you I would was...
0: think that, but by following the Bailey and Sasha logic, yeah, sometimes right. you can do really horrible things to your friends and then just forget about it.
1: Well. <laughs> Well, how dare we ask for continuity in her characters chris you know that i you know I... hubris but overall the wrestling on this smackdown show was pretty damn good i thought i i enjoy the new day and usos i just i just think the redo of we respect you let's go win it for the brand it's kind of uh eh, all right good fine we've seen that before we've seen the we've seen the mutual respect angle between these two teams a million times
0: i love their matches but even these guys at a certain point it's diminishing returns and, and i feel like if they were at a hotter point in their feud or something if they were actually having a feud yeah th- this could have been better or more warmly received but this was very much wrestling for wrestling's sake and these, again, these guys have had very good matches in the past, so I don't want to make it seem like, oh, ho-hum, here are the Usos. No, the Usos are awesome. Uh, and the New Day can have very good matches as well. It's just, eh.
1: That Kofi spot, though, I, I <laughs> with the horn playing. I forget the tune that Xavier Woods was playing, but I recognized it, and I can't remember what it was. But with him shaking and gyrating on the, uh, on the, uh, topecon Hilo or whatever he was doing there. It it just it was uh uh I I the, the, the new the new day are what they are. They're they're they can do great bouts here and there, but they're also gonna do the the comedy that makes you go huh okay. That's why I can't take this team seriously. Uh, another thing that interested me at least I for what it, again with the tempering up for what it was I enjoyed Almas and and Ray Mysterio but. Man, they've burned through some of those dream matches we were looking forward to on this SmackDown card.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Almas and Rey Mysterio was better than I was expecting. Rey actually has been applying himself in this run here in WWE. I've been pleasantly surprised. He's, He's not the Rey Mysterio we all knew and loved, but he's not bad. He's doing okay. Some of the moves, you know, are starting to get a little loose, like the DDT uh, off of the belly slide from the apron. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No that that that's a that's a move that uh, boy I the belly slide thing I, I all, all I think of is like Enzo hitting the rope that one time against the vaud villains and just knocking himself out. I'm like, there's gonna be that day where Ray's a little off. <laughs> and he's going to do that belly slide. He's not going to go down soon enough. And I just, uh, yeah, that's one that much like uh, Big E's big dive, it, it concerns me the more he does it. Um, these matches were kind of wrapped around, I don't know, I, I'm. it was somewhat interesting, the, the SmackDown team dynamics.
0: Because It Shane's started off good, gone. right? Like there was intrigue in the first couple of moves in the story and somewhere in the middle, uh, it lost me. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, well, I thought the uh, the grudging respect thing with Shane. Yes. It, it, it's, it, it's interesting in how they did it where it's like, you know, Daniel Bryan kind of sees, you know, he's good for our team because in canon, Shane McMahon is the greatest in the world right now. Which... It's, it's not crazy. even that.
0: It's that, like, Shane has been able to win big matches or be very competitive in big matches and has great heart and in canon. Like, th- this is the story they have told with the Shane McMahon character. And, yes, that scene where it was The Miz, Daniel Bryan, and Shane, and they were all talking. I really liked that. It's just... When they set the stakes for later on in the night, that's where I felt that this episode, this storyline got weaker.
1: Yeah, like I liked the Miz telling Daniel Bryan, look, don't look, Joe's trolling you right now. Don't fight him, okay? And then and you know, because we're teammates in this contrived red shirt versus blue shirt war, okay? He he's your teammate, don't do that. He's the smart one of the group. Thinking, trying to create a unified front there, but at the same time, during that, during that Daniel, during the Daniel Bryan, Shane, Miz interaction backstage, all I'm thinking of is, does anybody not remember that this jerk threatened to fire whoever lost in the finals? And does Miz even remember that? Because had Miz forfeited, he would have been sent to Raw. Does he not recall that part? So it's it's an interesting dynamic where I I just, for me, it's one of those things where it's like they go too heavy handed on the established feuds rather than, okay, be professionals and, and get through this. And then the reason you're going to be professionals is okay. If your team wins, everybody gets a title shot of their choosing or something to that effect. There's no reward in it for them. And I think that's the disconnect for me, but overall I like this better than the, the raw uh, execution of, you know, the uneasy teammates' storyline that they always seem to do for these five-on-fives. I mean, hey, we're putting Braun Strowman in there with guys that, you know, he's tried to destroy and have tried to destroy him, but they'll do it for the brand. It's like, no, the only person who believes that these brands have have any kind of competition between one another all have the last name McMahon, both in and out of canon. So it's just, it's... It's kind of just they they have to slap, slap something together in a week and a half, and it's one of your big four pay-per-views. It's, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's a real shame because Survivor Series and the team structure always creates interesting dynamics or can create interesting dynamics for narratives to move through, but what we're doing with the Raw side is essentially Stone Cold Braun Strowman. So what we have with Braun Strowman here is he's up against Baron Corbin's version of the Authority or the Corporation, and he's got the Authors of Pain, and he has some sort of loose alliance, too, with Drew McIntyre and sort of with Dolph Ziggler as well. You can kind of see all these things in motion.
1: I, you know what? I didn't even get to that Braun Strowman-Brock Lesnar thing from Crown Jewel. Oh, yeah. I... That happened. Wow, that's how that's how off I am right now. Um
0: it was a skit, yeah. it wasn't a match. It was a skit. It was and Baron Corbin is just sort of this delegitimizing instrument.
1: It not only that, it delegitimizes Braun Strowman because I yep. know the story they're trying to tell is this, well, you know, he might have won had 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 you they know, Baron Stone, cold. Not do it. Stone
0: Cold was going to win the title, but instead the evil corporation put it on their preferred champion of choice.
1: Yeah, and and Braun's so big he can't you can't get away with that. You can't get I mean, look, he okay, so he kicks out of a few F fives, he still loses. And you had him ice cold lose and no mercy, which I watched, and that's why I hated that pay-per-view live. Because it's just like one F five he's done. Okay, now he kicks out of two or three, but the story is still Braun Strowman can't beat Brock Lesnar. And it's, I guess, I guess Brock Lesnar is, uh, you know, he's going to be taking the championship to UFC because they want that. I That's amazing to me in, in a lot of ways. Uh, I still think Brock Lesnar is the most interesting person on the roster, both in and out of the ring, because he commands respect. He commands all the money. He dictates when he works and when he doesn't. And when he comes in, he's the guy with the most badass potential. I love Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is to me everything I want in a professional wrestler. I I just I'm I'm just amazed though that they think that they can tell the story of well so, uh, you you can't tell stories of people cheating to win and have it be on the baby face while at the same time saying that baby faces who act in cheating ways are taking advantage of the situation and are still good. There's that disconnect there where where cheating is in the eye of the beholder type of thing and that and they do that because you know they want to push the whole well there's you know there's just shades of gray there's no really good guys or bad guys anymore. But at the same time, Bronze. Strowman They don't Stroman really was... believe
0: that, though. That's like a credo no. they say when it's convenient yes. for them because they haven't been doing a good job telling stories. They're saying, oh, we're doing great characters now. Except that they don't really believe that, and that's not a way that they actually structure coherent narratives. They try to tell white hat, black hat narratives, and sometimes it fails.
1: Yeah, and the, because they don't do white hats well. No. They, they no. stink at doing white hats. And, and the other thing is, is, to me at least, within the paradigm of, of how Vince McMahon thinks, I always thought he looked at Braun Strowman as his next Andre the Giant. And the problem with doing these three-hour Raws every week after week after week is you have to put him out there, and now he's lost way more than Andre the Giant ever has. Because I don't think they view him as a company-carrying guy.
0: Well, Andre didn't have to do Raw. That was the whole thing with Andre. They didn't have Raw back then, so you could make these special attraction-type characters and keep them really big-feeling, but it's this problem whenever you choose to run the plot through the the top-of-the-card champion in a three-hour format, you get a lot of fatigue. They'd be better off telling a lot more stories through the mid-card titles and leaving... It's sort of counterintuitive, but leaving the the top-of-the-card title to just one specific segment on each show to make sure it feels special and have the action actually be in the mid-card.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, Braun Strowman should not be on TV this much, and he should not be losing this much. He can't keep chasing Chasing
0: Baron Corbin every week, Jeff.
1: Yeah, oh, jeez, and, and Baron Corbin, you remember when he was this big metalhead, tough guy, lone wolf, and now he's, now he's hiding with Charlie Caruso in 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 electrical closets and stuff because he's afraid of Braun Strowman. This is
0: the Billy Corgan template. This is the difference between melancholy and the infinite sadness to adore. If you know the differences between those two albums, Melancholy, we've got some thrashing numbers on it still, even though there's still like Tonight Tonight and some more Mellow ones. We get to a door. it's all like techno and stuff. That's what happened to Baron Corbin. He's doing a door right now.
1: Oh, the sweater vest basically ma- made his style different?
0: Well, yeah, and, and the, the, the head <laughs> shaving. I, I mean, it's just, just a total thing. He's probably listening to techno, too. I don't know.
1: At Shake Them Ropes 295, we'll be back later this week with the fun stuff. The NXT, Universe, and 205 Live. Chris, where can the people find you?
0: You can find me at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O on Twitter. My other show is Don't Worry About the Government. I'm going to get another one of those out. A post-election spectacular sometime here in the next few days. And my other show is the All in the Family Podcast. If you haven't listened to it yet, you ought to be. You are failing your Shake Them Robes duties by not listening to that show. Go to allinthefamilypodcast.com or check for either the all in the family podcast or don't worry about the government on itunes and stitcher
1: again i am at crap game 13 you can follow the show at shake them ropes you can go to our patreon tip jar patreon.com slash shake them ropes all one word on that one not patreon.com but you know whatever and once again we don't get money god's gonna take me in 90 days
0: this cute show's gonna get it